Hello, everybody. It's your favorite Jedi Master. It's David. Now, unfortunately, I have to issue a little tiny apology. Unfortunately, me and the Darth did a lot of bragging about how we we have it all together. We've got the audio. It's nice and crispy. It's super great. And the Darth's audio went ahead and just um, corrupted. So <laughs> what you will be hearing is my awesome audio and uh, audio from the Zoom. So apologies. Uh, you know, we definitely want to make sure that our audio quality is up to snuff. But for this one, you know, Ghost in the Machine got us. So next time we will definitely make sure that we live up to what we want it to be. But let's go ahead and get into the episode and enjoy our conversation. My name is Jedi Master David, and with me as always is Darth Austin. Hello, everyone. Well, man, we've done it. We have conquered technology. We have got we we, we we've got you with, with better audio than a Zoom. <laughs> we did it last week. We didn't even have to use the backup audio. Yeah, and you've already pretty much spent five hundred dollars of my money because I'm gonna upgrade this laptop as soon as possible. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I had given the Darth a, an old laptop so that we can you know basically Dropbox each other the um, the uh, audio file, which is interesting because like you were a pretty technological kid, you know, growing up, you know, the games and you had your your desktop that you were doing all that stuff with. But for a while now, at least a year or so, you have not had a computer. And in this day and age, like some people would think that that is just weird, man. And I completely understand that. You know, I'm, I'm just going to level with all of our audience. I'm a weird person. That's I will true. go through these, I will go through these phases where I just deprive myself of everything. And I really don't <laughs> know. No, I will just live in the worst conditions possible and just bottle it all up and say, this is fine. You know, that one meme yeah. where you're on the floor, this is fine. This <laughs> is fine. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's all for a total goal that's important, but I, yeah, it is time to treat myself a little better. Everyone tells me that too. It's like, why don't you buy yourself things? Like, I don't know. More. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know, I, it all depends on what you're going to do with it. Obviously I do a lot of editing. So, you know, I, I have a, a decent computer for me to be able to do that. Um, but I guess my biggest fear is I'm, I'm going to go out and buy myself a nice computer and they get so obsessed with gaming on it again and all that stuff. And did did you know. do much of the online game, like the compute, like PC gaming? I did with Skyrim for the mods. I, uh, I probably uh, put more hours on the Skyrim on my desktop than I did on my Xbox. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I do remember when they dropped mods um, on Skyrim, the, the PS4 version of Skyrim. And obviously, like, that's nothing compared to the mods that are present on the computer. But it was still really kind of cool to do different things in there. Because, I mean, Skyrim was always so big, but now it's like it's a little bigger. And I have a god ring now. God ring, killing everything. <laughs> I don't know. For me, Skyrim was kind of already perfect the way it was. I didn't want yeah. to change it a lot, but I like the fact that I could get all these mods that dealt with all the glitches. Yep. 
everything and it all prettier. So as time went on and you expected more out of consoles, you know, your game was still beautiful. Well, it, it, yeah, that was the first thing. The first things that I did was like the sort of like graphical sort of update, Next lightning, back. the colors, uh, different change in like season stuff that they did. And again, these are like independent people who are making these patches. Like yeah, that's a level above, man. <laughs> no, they're not really. I mean, I think a lot of them do it in the hopes to be noticed by a big developer. Yeah. You know, and there's been quite a few that have been picked up because of Skyrim. I mean, they've made a career out of just making mods. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah, man, we're we're conquering technology one piece at a time, and here before too long, who knows? Starlight Beacon. <laughs> we'll be we'll be on Starlight Starlight Beacon. Oh man, well, so another week's gone. Obviously, last week we had uh, talked about um, you know Light of the Jedi. Can't remember anything. And uh, very soon, buddy, we are going to be getting into the next in the series, which was um, wow. I don't remember now. <laughs> I already have it downloaded. I just can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I have it. I have it pre-ordered too. Um, and I are, we have three that are already out. I'll find it, but I, I mean, I, I actually. Uh, uh, oh yeah, into the dark. I I had that on the tip of my tongue too. So into the dark, and that's the Claudia Gray book. So that's February second. But um, I actually did order. The the book. So I ordered a copy of Light of the Jedi. I ordered this. Um, the what we're going to talk about today is a test of courage uh, by Justina Ireland, and I also then pre-ordered Into the Dark because where I ordered the books from, if I ordered you know so and so dollars, which just happened to be under for the two books, I got free shipping. So I also pre-ordered Into the Dark so I could get free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> for all of our audible listeners they do have the credit deal going back on it's like 34 bucks something like that yeah no all doubt these, i mean that's you can't beat that <laughs> no and in 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 general mark thompson is is pretty much the uh the the king of star wars uh literature uh let's see who was our narrator for this one um <clears throat> I believe oh, she wow. was the narrator Sorry, for um, Ke- uh, Ke- Ke- Keeler Lay. Lay. Jeez, I'm so I'm really terrible. Um, I don't remember this name. Let me let me look this up a little further and see if I if I remember this name. Um, <clears throat> I don't think that we have had anything else from her or that we would have ran into. doesn't look like it. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's done a lot of narrating for like Minecraft books. What? Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't what, but she has. Um, yeah. I mean, she's done a couple of things. I, I would think that this is probably the highest profile I mean, I, I don't, I don't know a lot of these other books. It looks like mainly like young, younger reader. Um, oh, this one's called <laughs> mm, "Tattooed Teardrops." Um, <clears throat> a a scrying shame, and I'm not mispronouncing that. It is literally like a crying shame, but instead of 
Crying, it is with an S, so scrying shame. Uh, sorry, I, I'm not making fun of anybody. It's, uh, Are we talking about a D&D prison? I, I have no idea, bro. But anyway, uh, Justina Ireland, we've uh, we, we've had her in the past. What was uh, so she did uh, some of the uh, one of the Journey to Star Wars books uh, for the Rise of Skywalker, Spark of the Resistance, uh, Lando's Luck. Uh, I remember that one. And I is that it? I'm looking her up right now on old Wikipedia. So I have it on here. I mean, I'm just I, I thought she did one other. No, nah, it was Lando's Luck that I'm remembering her from then. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so she's, she's done a couple of Star Wars books. doesn't have a huge uh, library yet, um, but she does have some, obviously does have some writing credits to her name, and, and she seems to be pretty entrenched in our Star Wars universe. Yeah, she's written seven books. And she will, uh, she will write two more in the High Republic era as well. We'll have uh, Out of the Shadows and The Edge of Balance nice. through her. Yeah, very good. So good on you, Justina. I actually have to say, before we get too terribly into our review, because I still want to ask how your week's been uh, in a minute, I actually thought this was a a decent enough little story. Like, I actually kind of enjoyed it, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, for, what, three-hour runtime, it was was a nice little entertaining story. Every once in a while, it's kind of fun to listen to these young adult novels again and yeah, you know, on how much they meant to us back in the day. Well, it was it was like an open and close story. It's like yeah, here's your opening, but we're also going to close this up here. Using a lot of characters that we're going to see again necessarily, but it's you know it's just filling out little gaps in between. Like Light of the Jedi is kind of our jumping off point, mm-hmm. and these are all just little stories filling in the gaps in between, which is kind of cool I for think. sure. Well, anyway, bud, so let's just get this little council out of out of the way, too. So how's your week been? Been the worst weekend. Nah, it's been all right. I took uh, yesterday off, felt like having a little me time. and oh, A little you time. That's cute. A little, a little time just to relax around the house and enjoy myself. I'm just so awesome to be around. <laughs> just raced everyone in the in the house with me being home. It's good. It's good times, man. I don't know. This week just kind of feels like a blur. Truthfully, I don't remember much interesting going on. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's another kind of quarantine week. Um, my, my, uh, my neighbor. He's an he's an older older guy. Real nice. I I usually wind up like shoveling our driveways and everything so that you know, he can get out and. He's had some health stuff go on, so he hasn't really been able to do much outside. Um, but the other day, I was bringing in the trash cans. He's like, hey, do you do you want some sausage? I was like, don't make this weird. Uh, <laughs> no, but he, he had been to the, to the, uh, like the VFW hall, and mm-hmm. uh, they, they gave away a bunch of like Bob Evans sausage, like rolls of sausage, yeah. which is actually pretty good. Uh, but they like gave him like a full freezer. He's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with all this. It's like, I'll take a couple of, you know, bricks of it. I'll, you know, make some breakfast sausage. That's cool. So I got some sausage. That was fun. Um, I, you know what? I got to tell you, I've been playing a lot of guitar this week. I got Mm -hmm. a really, really cool pedal. 
<laughs> and it is a reverb pedal. And it sounds like you are in a cave, like a dark, damp cave with those little trickling sounds and like like a rock skipping uh, across like other rocks. It's 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 actually one of the coolest ambient things I've ever played with. And I honestly I bought it because it was so cheap and I was like and I knew that I could sell it for more if I wanted to. I don't think I can get rid of it now because it is it is awesome. So I, I've actually been playing some guitar and, and making a little music. And, and also, I jumped back into Stardew Valley, and I've been Stardew Valleying. <laughs> what about Animal Crossing? No. I like that game. It's fun. It's simple, but it's fun. Oh, and I bought a, I bought a rowing machine. Sorry, what? I bought a rowing machine. Oh, really? Not a super expensive one, but yeah, I got a rowing machine. So I actually did a lot more this week than what I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, good times. So when I joined the crew team at, at Harvard or <clears throat> Yale or whatever, I'll be ready to row with all the boys. Yeah. <laughs> Play some water polo on my off days. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, if you... If you really like Stardew Valley, you need to try Animal Crossing. I've heard a lot of people say that it just looks so so cartoony. And Stardew, yeah. I, I like the I like Stardew's kind of like you know sixteen bit looking yeah. kind of aesthetic, and it's it, it actually has like a cool little soundtrack. And you know y- you've got a lot to do. Like there's actually a lot you can do. It's like when it rains during the summer, that's when I go to the mine and like do that stuff because I don't have to water my crops. But, you know, the winter, I don't have crops, so I'm like taking care of my chickens or something and and smelting ore or like making friends with the villagers and so forth, you know, buttering up with presents, you know. It's like, hey, Mayor, here's a nice diamond. I heard you liked it. So, you know, maybe you look the other way when I, you know, put a new crop in. (laughs) Got to get that hard crop. No, I don't know. What, whatever's <laughs> at the seed store. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it is. It's it's super simple. Um, I I just don't know if I want to do Animal Crossing or not. I, I'm I don't really play that many games, so. <laughs> it's just one of those games. Like, if you had your own farm and you just had a ton of things to do, it'd be awesome. But this allows you to do that in real life it's like okay i've got about 30 little tasks that take me 10 minutes to do every day i should do them every day but i really (laughs) shouldn't i really shouldn't take that amount of time but it's like it's like a chore list it's not even like fun gameplay it's like a chore list with different kind of games but it's so soothing it's like it's easier to build a routine in those games than it is in real life so you feel like you're winning (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay virtually winning got it And I feel like Stardew is kind of the same way, honestly. Yes. Yeah. In a lot of ways it is. But, you know, there's like a wizard. Right. Well, I had a talking snowman over Christmas, so. Sick. Sick. Falling around. It's kind of creepy, actually. (laughs) Frosty, you get back. I will take this hairdryer to you and melt. Jeez. Terrible, man. Terrible. Well... 
I think we can go ahead and start moving into the crux of the matter here. Now, uh, I did say we were going to talk about Test of Courage, but we're also going to take a look at the first issue of the Star Wars High, Repu- High Republic comic series. Um, this actually came out... <clears throat> did it come out when these... I think it came out like around yeah. the time these books came out. Right. Yeah. And we were going to talk about it last week, but our discussion wound up being pretty long yeah, we didn't need to fill any more gaps it was it was a long probably one of the longest we've done actually yeah i i would i would say so so i think let's go do, do, let's go ahead and do the comic first what do you think yeah. you think that works yeah all right so this this should run by pretty quick honestly because like you know it's a comic it's there's not a ton of content here um so I don't know that I looked up how many issues this was going to have. It only featured, you know, four in the very end of the of this comic. But we follow our Padawan here. Actually, Skier's, Skier's uh, Padawan. Uh, and I think we're calling her just Keeve, right? Yeah, I would say Keeve. Okay. We're probably, that's fine. Well, Keeve is pretty BA looking, honestly. She's got she's got a double-bladed lightsaber. Yeah. Which is always a win for me. And it's green. So You know, I've noticed something that every bit of uh artwork for the High Republic focuses so much on the lightsaber designs compared to everything we've seen the past few years. I really appreciate that. Well, honestly, even even the test of courage artwork, it's very it's very front and center. And the funniest thing is, I don't remember if I said this when when High Republic was just coming out, but like I actually thought like the Light of the Jedi cover and then the subsequent cover were kind of bland looking. But the Test of Courage is, I mean, it's it's obviously a little bit more comic booky, but it looks more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and then when you when you put that up against a comic book cover, dude, comic book covers are meant to catch your attention. All right. Oh yeah. So you've got like two twin guys, which I don't, we didn't even see in this comic, did we? No. It's like here, here, here are the creepy, uh, what are those? Uh, never mind. I'm not going to bring it up. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of, cause there were, the, there were like the, the director twins that did like the matrix. And then there were those like Daft Punk twins or whatever the, is that was that Daft Punk or was that another one? I don't remember. Anyway. No, it was Daft Punk. Yeah. There you go. <clears throat> With their masks. Yeah. Good times. Tron. It's great. So anyway, we pick up with uh, with Keeve, who who's going through her trials, and this is something that we actually we don't ever see. Really, no. like the trials being done. Yeah, we've always talked about it through you know Obi Wan and everyone else. But I'm ready so. to take the trials. And we, I don't think we even really knew everybody's trial is different. Yeah. You know, not a set of trials in this. It's not like Tomb Raider. Okay, you got to go through this area and figure out all these puzzles. No, everyone gets their own curated trial from their master. Exactly. So we do have the, what do we want to call these, a Zimpy? Sure. <laughs> Little fairy flying goblins. It's like the little... Mechanic dude from Rise. Oh, good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, good call. Uh, so we have one of these uh, Canry, I guess, maybe. Yeah, that's how, that's how I read it. Canry, uh, who's annoying Keeve here as she's uh, making her way through this, this planet. And uh, she is attacked by Skier <laughs> with his one arm. Uh, the... Uh, the um, the artwork in here does make me laugh a little bit when he's like first leaping out of this bush and his like mouth, little mouths open and everything is one arm and it, <laughs> it kind of made me chuckle. So they actually have a bit of a, a bit of a battle here. And despite what Skira might say, he basically like bested him. I mean, she, she yeah. definitely bested him there. And then he sets her, a task, which is kind of an oddball task. Uh, but we have this, um, just called the needles. Mm-hmm. These needles have stood for a millennia. Like there's a medallion up there. Go get it, but don't fall. If you fall, you're not a oh. Jedi anymore. <laughs> I thought you said no one's climbed. I said most people fail climbing. I climbed I mean, it with one arm. You should be able to. Climb. I mean, I totally got up there and didn't use one of these little fairy guys to go carry it up there for me with my one arm. It's like okay, I and I then didn't just jump out of my ship. <laughs> well, and then she she then proceeds to like break like a couple of the needles, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like well, okay, stood for millennia, whatever. Um, and then we get like the real conflict here where we have these insects that just rip through all the needles. So needles stood for millennium. Bugs. Insect went every time. Yes. And then here's an interesting thing. We actually see Starlight Beacon. Yeah. And so, this is right before Avar is actually, you know, crowned the ruler of Starlight Beacon. Yes. The marshal, the marshal, I think, what yeah. they call her. <laughs> Cara Dune. She, she will be crowned Cara Dune Marshal Avar Chris. <laughs> so Chris is looking for Skewer, and, and she kind of senses that there's something off with him ever since mm-hmm. the, the disaster of the battle. Um, so, but, right. And she does sort of sense, though, that it's, it doesn't really have anything to do with the death. Of of Master Molly, which okay, but but it does. Well, here's here's the thing: we got a little bit of teaser stuff uh, that Skier might be hiding something, like a secret. I don't know what that is, but I think judging by some of the other con- conceptual art for these comics, we're gonna figure that out pretty soon in this comic, uh, which I find to be very interesting. But let's go ahead and go forward because we get we get the the man himself. You didn't want to say it. <laughs> Grandmaster that isn't Yoda. Is that the one you're talking about? <laughs> yes, Grandmaster but, Vetter. You have two Grandmasters. <clears throat> Doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of the term Grand? Nope, they're just Grand. They're couple of grandpas. So yeah, we, we, we get this Grandmaster Vetter and Yoda showing up to Starlight Beacon. Uh, Yoda doesn't look very happy. No. <laughs> he doesn't look happy at all. 
Um, and continues to say he's not, he's not back with the council. He's walking his own path. And, um, Avar kind of has a bit of a thought like, oh, they're going to put me on the council. And instead they offer her Starlight Beacon to be the marshal of Starlight Beacon, which we kind of got in line of the Jedi. Like we kind of got that that was sort of where things were falling into place. So there you go. Avar Chris, Starlight Beacon, Marshal, Cara Dune. By the way, just with the art style and everything, doesn't she just seem so B.A. in this comic? I mean, she's just awesome to me. Yeah, I I think that it's not necessarily a problem with Light of the Jedi, but it, it is a consideration that it was all over the place. Like, there was so much going on where, and I think we even talked about this, it would have been cool to have just followed of our around, uh, uh, I don't know. And just like, just stayed with her and just saw her perspective of how all this was, was going and, and her and Elzar man specifically, because they were both very interesting characters. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope for more, like just more centered around her as opposed to just being sort of like part of the story, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with that. So anyway, let's get back to Keeve here. Uh, she's you know, jumping from bug to bug. And also cool, we get to see a vector. Yeah, yeah. Not at all how it was described in Light of the Jedi, I feel. Like I didn't have nearly the same picture of the vector through Light of the Jedi. <laughs> no, I, I didn't either. For some reason, I just kind of thought of it as like, well, almost like a like an A wing or something like that. Yeah, really boxy, you know. Yeah, just probably, yeah, more boxy than an A wing. A little Fourth bit wing. less, like a George Jetson kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Jedi, no, I mean, we're the Jedi. <laughs> that's a that's a wrong theme song, by the way. But whatever. I mean, you could kind of take this as a part of the evolutionary path that got us to the X-Wing almost. I mean, it's kind it's of, a, yeah. 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 Let's continue on here. Um, so Keeve actually sort of figures out through kind of a communion with these bugs. She has her, um, I'm trying to think like almost like a Scarlet witch moment here where she's, I'm one with everything. <laughs> I'm a locust. <laughs> well, th- these are space-faring creatures, kind of like our space whales. And they were misdirected to this planet because of the frequency of Starlight Beacon. And I think the one interesting thing about this comic is 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 that. To me, is that. Yeah. Because Starlight Beacon is so new and obviously it's not in the rest of Canon because it was only conceptualized for this, but it makes you wonder how long it's even going to be around. Like, is it going to cause more problems than what it solves? Mm -hmm. Or is it going to be destroyed? It might blow up. Well, let's put it this way. Keeve is pretty BA. She redirects the bugs rebuilds the zimpy simpy village yeah. <laughs> and is confronted by 
the ever comically drawn face of Skier. <laughs> is he disappointed? Is he not? Is there a single like picture of Skier other than walking away where it's not super zoomed in, by the way? Because <laughs> I don't think it really is. <laughs> I, I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> I just think it, it, it's just funny. Oh, okay. One thing. What's up with this cursing stuff? Like, I know it's like made up Thank words you. for this, but what, what is up with that? Like you, you're going to create this character, but for some reason you are going to put her in front of a VAR Chris, new Marshall starlight beacon, Jedi master. <laughs> and you are going to have her utter some sort of curse words in front of her. It's like, listen, I know we like to bring in flaws, but that seemed a little bit crass to me. Yeah, and honestly, the entire interaction, even what Avar says, like, just stop it. Like, seriously. Yeah, are you done? Word. <laughs> it, it was it was weird. And then again, like I have an interesting sort of take on some of this knighting of Jet. By the way, Keeve gets knighted. She has a knight at the end of this comic. Yeah, that little Padawan Bray gets cut off. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that they're promoting people too fast? Well, I don't know. It's hard to tell right now because we haven't been with these characters very long. And, you know, they're of the age to be knighted, but it just seems like we've seen it happen a lot very quickly. And maybe we're just watching the most exceptional padawans right now but it does seem a little forced you know like you yeah. didn't really do something so major to get knighted i don't feel like what happened in this comic was really well see i don't know i actually di- i actually disagree i think what she did was actually really pretty spectacular and the only reason i say that is because depending on who you are you could have just tried to slay all of them True. Instead, she communed, figured out the problem, and created a solution so that they would be okay and live, but also not destroy the planet. My whole thing is, is there are obviously certain things that she is just like, she's awkward about. And it's like, those are the kind of things, it's like, maybe maybe getting there to this Jedi point is where you're really ironing out all of these little idiosyncrasies. Or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe... That's more the master's path. Maybe they're a little bit more forgiving at that Jedi Knight level. Because I'm going to tell you this, like, I mean, even Obi Wan. I mean, he he was a Padawan for long time. Long time. What eighteen, nineteen, something like that. He he was for a long time. It's like I know some of that was sort of Qui Gon, but kind of feels like he probably should have been knighted way before he he was. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Vernestra. She's mean and she's a jedi knight yeah kind of ridiculous and when you think about it yeah well whether whether they're great or not i mean rushing that process yeah and one let's say you know mentioning the cuts and everything there was one thing that i found pretty funny when she's talking about changing the frequencies so it won't mess with starlight or these creatures i forget who it is that talks to her it's like okay so you want me to change it so they don't follow the beacon. Like, you want me to change the frequency? It's like, no, I want you to play jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now there is a little tidbit here as they're doing the dedication ceremony, and everybody, oh, yeah, for the light, yeah, bzz, 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 and you know all that good stuff. Super goofy and lie the Jedi when we read that. I'm sorry, that was. 
yeah. really cheesy. So it's very true. And however, during this, there's some green boxes which are in her dialogue for Key, where she is basically running through this. It's like, you know what? I think Master Skewer actually like orchestrated all this. So yeah. then yeah. it kind of makes you wonder: Did he screw with the frequencies to make this happen, or did the Force just tell him that this was going to happen and you guys are going to have to fix it? Type of deal. Uh, let's just let's just say that. It seems like some of that was orchestrated. How it was orchestrated is a little ambiguous. But um but and hey, she passed. Off the vibe. Yeah. To me, it kind of gives off the vibe of these things and it's kind of starting to mess with them. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yep. Because we've already seen this with Elzar, so I mean it, maybe there's gonna be multiple Jedi Masters who start getting these visions of terrible things. I mean, see that at the end of this comic as well. Yeah, and and that that's the last the last couple panels is Skier going back to I guess his quarters and no, uh, I mean wait no. Well, this this is the thing because around the same time is when Elzar Man has his vision. Yeah. So it's I I think you're right. I think Skier did see something. If not the same, but but similar to what Elzar did, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what this what this is what this is. I mean, it, but how it's going to affect Skier and how it's going to affect Man might be two very different things. Yeah, and I think we're probably going to see a third Jedi have the same thing happen in the next book. Agreed. I would assume well, uh, if that happens, there's no question it a terrible force, something. Yeah. Coming to attack or destroy the Starlight Beacon or kill off a few of the masters, you know. Right. Yes. Exactly. And so. of course, the new era of Star Wars, we do have to always be aware of the fact that we need a super destructive mega weapon. Because <laughs> it happens in every era, so <laughs> maybe that's what we're sensing. L- Lena so is just sitting back on Coruscant. Yes. Unveil my newest weapon, Starlight Beacon, to destroy everything in the Outer Rim. <laughs> so the cats will reign supreme. It's all powered by my two cats. <laughs> Would you like to have me describe my cats yet again? <laughs> my greatest work is to eradicate the Outer Rim. <laughs> we are not all the Republic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the other rim. I am the Republic. <laughs> oh, well. well Senators get... in the background, but it's like, yeah, but you're not the Senate. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. Well, you ready to get in a test of courage? Sure. Okay. So test of courage. Um, I could have almost listened to this book every day at work. That's how short it is. It is very short. Very short, about three and a half hours in the audiobook. Um, I wonder how many pages this is. They did bound this like a little kid's book. <laughs> so, uh, 229 pages, but they're like really, this probably would have been like maybe half that in a real, like a real, I mean, here, you, you guys at home can't see it, but this is the, it's bound like yeah. a little kid's book. <laughs> probably really big print too, like. Um, yes. I mean, sort of. It's bigger than most, than most books. It's nicely done, though. 
Does it have any pictures? I see some golden pages, but they're pictures. Ah, uh, no, no pictures, just dividers. Dang it. No pictures. Uh, oh, no, there are pictures. Oh, there are pictures. Concept art. It's great. All right. I'm going to stop messing around. Let's get into the story. So we start here really with, with Vernester. Uh, what was her last name? Ro? Yeah, Ro. Yeah. <clears throat> we haven't heard that last name in a while, which coincidentally, we're going to talk about last names a little bit, but let's just, let's just ease on through here. So Vernester Rowe is a, like a super, super bad one, right? Mary Allen. Uh, a lot of people call her Vern, even though she doesn't really like that. Her master was Stellan Geos, who we, I don't want to speak for you. I'll speak for myself, who I need to know more about because he's effectively part of this whole trio with uh, Elzar and uh, Var Chris, and we will hear more about him. But uh, recently promoted, she she was what, what, 15? Is that what, what she, how old she was? Yep. So young, 15, 16 years old, young. Youngest Jedi in a very long time who has made the rank of knight at that mm-hmm. age. So she is given a mission to protect Ivan Staros, who is a daughter of Senator Staros. Do you remember the Staros name by any chance? Mm, should I? Uh, yeah, because there was a little character called Sana Staros, who we, uh, who we were thinking a little bit about uh, when she was in the Afro books. She also claimed at one time to be Han Solo's wife when they did a job, and she wasn't. But yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of interested to see if we get the link for that. Obviously, I mean, like this is her great 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 grandmother or something like that. You know, that'd be pretty cool. Well, the thing is, is their descriptions match. Yeah, I mean, they look very similar, and I think that that is that is kind of like the line that yeah. falls down to to Sana. And again, like when we read, when we had that Dr. Afra audio drama, I actually was kind of like, I want to know more about her than I want to know about Afra. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So Senator Starro seems to be pretty high up, like very connected to the chancellor. Um, so I, I would say that, her daughter is pretty high priority, which is why she has a Jedi Knight uh, to protect her and see her on to Starlight Beacon. Along with our Jedi Knight, we also have J6, another annoying, self-aware droid. I don't even want to say that's become a trend at this point because I just feel like if we really look back, there's always been self-aware droids. I mean, even Creepio to an extent kind of is aware of his surroundings and everything going on and is a bit rebellious, but I, I don't know. How did you feel about this droid compared to... He's annoying. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, it, it got old. Like, I, I, I'm fine and I understand, but like, 
So the whole thing is that Avon Staros is like kind of a an inventor, a tinkerer, very, very smart for her age. Um, and she tinkered with J6's like programming to almost, well, basically to make it so that J6 can kind of pick her path type of deal. Yeah, basically autonomize and yeah, yeah. I'm just this now, you know. So, but I mean, it, it's snarky. It, I don't know. It just, it gets boring. It gets quickly. boring. Yeah. But well, even, even Yvonne in a way, she, she, she's kind of immature and mature at the same time. Like she knows when to turn it on and off, but she's immature, but at the same time, she's also so logical that she really can't relate to people very well you know yeah she's probably a little little bit too far advanced for her age yeah i mean you see that quite a bit when she's acting with honesty and can't really relate to oh you just lost your father but well we're getting we're getting way ahead there so let's hold on just a little bit obviously this is a spoiler no i know but i don't i don't want to jump so like jump crazy but well let's go over the major characters so so we have we have we have avon we've got uh vern uh, so you mentioned honesty, which is, I'm sorry. It's Same ever. Honesty Weft, who is, um, from Del, Delnan. Uh, his father was an ambassador from the planet and he is kind of like, a. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how to describe. He was kind of like, for me, he was just kind of like a blah character. I didn't really care about him all that much. And it really made you not like his people all that much either. Just learning more about it. It's like, oh, we don't really like dealing with this. We don't like chaos. We try to avoid it. It's like, okay, well, trying to avoid flying and chaos and everything, you know, you're you're in a galactic republic, you know. You're just trying yeah. to hide from it. <laughs> well, it seems like they, they've had some trouble just as a race with war and everything and they have this thing called the metamorphosis, which is basically where they are choosing effectively their life job. Uh, it seems to be kind of a bit of a closed, closed-minded like a society, fair. like a career fair at school. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. But I guess honesty is missing his metamorphosis to go to Starlight Beacon with his father. And his his parents feel that it's valuable. He doesn't really see the value in it, um, but he's kind of thrown into this adventure. And then we also have uh, another Padawan, uh, Amari Kantaros, or Emery Emery Kantaros, whatever. The spelling is kind of interesting, <laughs> uh, but he. Let's go based off of how they pronounce it. Yeah, I, I just can't always remember, but his master has potentially one of the just white breadest names in the world. Douglas. Douglas. <laughs> Sunvale. Douglas Sunvale. Who, to be honest with you, from the reading, I actually was starting to not really care for him because of the way it was read. And yeah. It almost makes me wonder if the narrator didn't really believe in that character at all. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it, it didn't really bother me much when we lost him. I hate to say it. I mean, 
Well, I, I think I think his sacrifice was, and he unfortunately did sacrifice himself. We'll get into some events here, but like he he did sacrifice himself. So like I get it, but just the initial reads just made me think of like kind of like a just a overblown pompous dude who's just skating through stuff. But he wasn't really that. So I'll be honest with you, no disrespect to the narrator, I think she read that character wrong. I would agree. Yeah, I think she had the wrong take on him, but uh, Emery was uh, Master Douglas or Master Sunvale. They, they, I mean, should be Master Sunvale, not Master Douglas, right? Yeah, whatever. Uh, it was is Padawan. So we open up on on this ship, pleasure liner, and That's steady wing. Yeah, there you go. We have them. We have a couple ambassadors. And Vaughn and, and, and all these characters and so forth. And they're all heading to Starlight Beacon. Well, we also at the very beginning learn that the Nye Hill are coming to sabotage this ship. And these are Nye Hill under Kossiv, Milico. Mm-hmm. Who, Which gives us a timeline, obviously. It's well before the emergency are over and we lose them so yeah exactly so this would have been you know kind of during the blockade type of deal so we have these nihil and they are i pulled them up here let me go ahead and find the tab clinith da and wishy wishy okay who's an aqualish wishy wishy and clinith da Clinith likes piercings. That's what I got out of it. <laughs> Was that a thing before this book? Like, is that piercing style a thing? I don't know. Don't know. I don't want to know, honestly. Don't want to know either. So they sabotage the ship. They sabotage the escape pods. Uh, they create explosions. And the majority of our characters are in kind of like a dining hall. And we have this explosion. It rips apart the canopy. Vacuum of space is coming in. Um, Vern is able to get the blast doors to close. They were lodged with a chair. And I and I gotta <laughs> the say, the chair somehow is not being destroyed by a blast door that's trying to close. You know. Okay. Well, my, I mean, my whole thing is is like, how would you how would you have taken care of that? Would you have flown at it with your lightsaber, or would you just like try to grab it with the force and crush it? I guess it just depends on how much of the force I'm using just to stay in place. Like, could I? I guess accomplish both. I guess it's the most you know the most flare you could possibly pull off doing yeah. it that way. Cool. Do Let's a backflip when you're going back down. It's great. I cut myself off from the force, which allowed me to cut a chair and close yeah, the glass. I guess. Well, anyway, Vern is able to close that, but they do attempt to get the, to the uh, pods. Now, an interesting thing here is that Master Douglas actually really does seem to trust Vernestra. Like, she's – take the lead – Go do that. I'll hold everybody down. So like he he seems to really trust her, which is which is cool because we get some dialogue with her where she's not one hundred percent like I don't think she's even one hundred percent like yeah she's uh, not calm. confident in herself. Yeah, and poor Emery points that out. It's like I'm I'm his trusted battle one. Why didn't you trust me to be? 
Yeah. Well, let's let's continue down. They're going through the corridors. They figure out the escape pods are um, sabotaged and gone in a lot of cases. And um, essentially, we get to the point where a bulkhead closes and Master Douglas pushes the kids forward. Unfortunately, our ambassadors, including Honesty's father and Master Douglas, are trapped. And they do perish, which I thought was a little heavy for a kid's book. It was, especially the way they said it. Yeah. No. Um, Vernestra was able to get the kids to a maintenance ship or shuttle and they are able to leave and the ship explodes like it kills a lot of people yeah i mean yeah. like high republic is mostly about killing people i think the ship explosions they yeah. really like reason that's, that's like 90 95 percent of deaths so far in high republic yeah well unfortunately we learned that the ship also has problems it's got no navigation and we happen to hear another phrase that we haven't heard in a little while. Emery's going to try wayfinding. Yeah. And Vernestra even calls Mouse like, that's something that even masters struggle on. So how are you going to do this? Well, all I'm saying is that we hadn't even really heard much about that until literally the rise of Skywalker. And it was a wayfinder. It wasn't Jedi doing wayfinding. Yeah. It's more like a rare ability once in a generation kind of thing. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, some random Padawan who kind of sucks as a Padawan is going to do it. He's just going to try. He's never done it before. He's just going to try. Well, hey, guess what? They make it to a moon. Yeah. The moon of Weevo. Weevo. Where they make friends with the local monkeys. Yes. (laughs) Monkey creatures. Some Some of them are not their friends. Here's another name. Cheery. And if you remember mm-hmm. from Black Spire, Cheery. I wonder if that was a callback. Had to have been, right? Must have. Well, this moon kind of sucks. It's got like acid yeah. rain and Yeah. It's got the stupid the most stupid life cycle. It it rains down acid, which kills everything on the planet as well. Destroys the local fauna, but then it regrows kind of, yeah. very quickly. And produces these fruit that give you water. Yeah, water. that was odd. You know, it, it reminds me of that stupid, I don't want to say stupid, but that game. What is that? Uh, was it Death Stranding with Norman Reedus? I never even looked into Death Stranding, so I don't even. Well, it, it, in that in that game, it's not acid rain. It's time rain. It makes you get older if it touches you. <laughs> okay. And then there's like babies that they have tied up to them and then there's like tar creatures and music weird music it's a weird first making metal gear i mean well that that was creative but i the thing is i just remember watching some playthrough and like it, it's like a ton of fetch quests you just pick up boxes and deliver them because that's what you are you're like a courier I just remember, uh-huh. like, so they're doing this, they're running, they're doing their thing, and all of a sudden, this song just starts playing. And the song was, like, <laughs> like the chorus was, don't be so serious. 
That's like, what the hell is going on in this game, man? What is this? Okay. I'm at rain. I get older. I'd be pretty serious. Don't too. be so serious. The rain will only kill you pretty quick. It's like, what? Okay. Anyway, back to Star Wars. <laughs> God. You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't find a lot to talk about while they're on the moon. If I'm just being honest about it. No, there really isn't a whole lot. They're just kind of in survival mode. And there's a lot of talking of emotions, especially for honesty. And I mean, they're, yeah, they're a wreck. Well, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hugs and so forth. And like, I, I do find one thing interesting. They are able to share amongst each other in a way. Whereas in most of the times we see people internalize all of their emotions and make it really bad. Now, honesty, on the other hand, because of the way his race is kind of like a warrior culture at that point, he does bury a lot of things, but he is holding a lot of anger. And this is something that affects uh, Emery as well, because he is starting to get jealous of Vernestra. Extremely. Yeah. So, I mean, long story short, he kind of turns to the dark side here a little bit. Yeah. And this all coincides with also reintroducing our Nihil Mm -hmm. because they had to ensure that nobody survived and somehow they figured out that these kids survived. Mm -hmm. So. It might have something to do with Vernesta destroying their ship with a rock. Well, that was Emery. Emery did that. Did Emery? Do, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. No, you're it fine. Kind of to get it out of the way, but Emery was the one that kind of yeah, yeah. Well, there was this whole part of them clearing terrain, like they they were trying to clear terrain, and we figure out that Vernestra has a light whip. Yeah. Which uh, Emery points out, the Night Sisters had night whips, night whips, well, light whips. Let, let's just kind of talk about that a little bit. Go so for we it. have all these things going on. We have. Vernestra scared to death to show her whip to these people, which I didn't personally <sighs> understand. Her whole hang-up is like, Emery sees me using this and might make him question things, and then he might turn to the dark side, even yeah. though I can already tell Sensei he's turning to the dark side, and it might confuse the others. Like, okay, why? Yeah, now, it just winds up being that... a. Emery is kind of just, he's just kind of a weak character. Like, he's just weak. Even even to the point where he messes up his lightsaber, and now it can barely cut through. It's a machete, yeah. essentially. And it can cut through the fauna, that's it. Well, here's the thing, though. His lightsaber was messed up even before all this, so he's been having problems even when he had his master. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Did, I don't know. Based on what you hear from the master, he really doesn't help. All that much, truthfully. He's just like, oh, you'll figure it out. Just keep taking it apart and putting it back together. You'll get it. Well, and and I got to say, like, I kind of wonder about that because, like, it, it all depends on your philosophy and teaching, doesn't it? Like, mm-hmm. for me, you know, I manage people, but I tend to reward the people who figure out things on their own because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everyone's an adult and they should be able to figure this stuff out. However, I will drop hints and I'll drop knowledge and so forth but i really want you to do the work because that's your job the manager you're not supposed to be the one doing work yeah <laughs> but but the thing is is that i mean this is a kid yeah 
And he's obviously very confused. Certainly. Yeah. But in combination, he's got this ultra empathy too. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason, in my opinion, why he was able, why the dark side was able to get a better grip was because he felt the anger so violently from honesty. And he drew on that. And that was the thing. It's like he wanted to go attack the Nihil, like make them pay. Yeah. And he woke up honesty and said, hey, man, I need you to come. He didn't need him to come because he needed him there. He didn't need his blaster. He needed his anger. He mm-hmm. needed to draw off of this person's anger, which is something that we see again and again with the Sith. Their thing is, is they actually draw in battle. They'll draw off of the emotions of their opponent. And, and mm-hmm. that's why um, I think it was in Revan where we had the, uh, the Sith that was aiding them when they were fighting the machines. Do you remember that, that part they're fighting some mechanicals and, or it was in the very beginning. So if it was that book, or it was another one. Anyway, I'm mixing up things, but I just remember we had this Sith encounter with machines and he was having trouble with the machines because he couldn't draw off anything, any emotion yeah. because they're, they're a machine. They don't have emotion. And that's in some ways what made a lot of those ancient Sith rather weak. However, yeah. they could draw the fear from the Jedi too, because you know Sith Jedi mm-hmm. fear's always there. So, but yeah, I agree with the whip thing. I thought that was a little janky. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like she even mentioned it's like you know one wrong move and lopping arm off. It's like you realize in battles with whips, they do tend to kind of roll off the body of the user a bit, and like they will strike you to some extent. So. It's really impractical as a lightsaber. Which, I think, by the way, would, I think it would take about, a lot of control. Yeah, and just kind of going through that, it's like no amount of effort you're going to cut through a limb. We kind of didn't mention this in the comic. I kind of want to bring this up. So at one point, Keeves, you know, climbing these the spires, you know, these little needles, mm-hmm. and she starts to fall, and her way of dealing with that she stabs one of these needles and we talked about this you know coming she stabs one of the needles and keeps sliding down but eventually slows her to a point where she's she's impaling this needle she's hanging off her lightsaber and it's doing nothing it's not please explain how how that works it's not quite how laser swords work but no (laughs) yeah agreed with no effort whatsoever and you're hanging off it you're putting your body weight on so i don't know that just bugs me you know, it's the same with the whip, you know, it's going to hit you at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but Hey, science, science fiction, not science fact. <laughs> well, suspend disbelief. Exactly. So let's continue our story a little bit here. So Emery and honesty go off to fight the Nihil. Um, I'm really feeling like I'm saying her name wrong. Avon or a- Avon. Do you remember exactly how they pronounce that? They pronounce it Avon. Avon. Okay. Okay. Avon. All right. So she sets up J6 to kind of like keep track of everybody. So they kind of know what's going on. 
And uh, we also learn more about J6. That, well, we had known she was a former kind of like bodyguard droid in a protocol droid's body. So she's got extra arms and blasters and stuff. Well, they go to follow. And skippy, skip, skip. We eventually get to a confrontation between Vernester and, and uh, Emery. Very interesting encounter. Very interesting mm-hmm. encounter. Nothing that Emery does really affects Vernestra. No. She's a super calm, cool, collected Jedi Knight who's well beyond her years and seems to have the training of like a 30, 40-year-old Jedi. It, I don't know. It's kind of like one of those Mary Sue things in a way. But at the same time, you care about this character. She's cool. I mean, she is. But but you're you're pitting her against Emery, who's just this weak, super weak-minded, and as far as skill goes, pretty weak too character. So I, there was never any fear going into this battle. You knew how it was going to go. Well, and I I think that the Jedi of this time just have uh, an absolute confidence, and they're tied to the light. It's it's really is moving through them. So to go up against this. Padawan, who has had his first sort of taste of the dark side, who's giving in anger that's not even his own, who's fighting his own nature. I don't think it has anything to do with like Mary, excuse me, Mary suing. I just think that she has the the high ground, so to speak. And Emery just needs to be taught a lesson. And sometimes Padawan needs to be taught a lesson. And this is his lesson. And uh, she she breaks his saber, <laughs> uh, which is very that's a tough thing, man, to lose your saber. Yes, and it actually, when you think about it, for a Jedi to destroy a saber is a tough thing as well. Yeah, it is technically a living creature in a way, and. You know, you're kind of killing it by doing that. Well, I think, it, I think it, in a way, it had to be done. I think, I don't, I don't, I think that the conflict in Emery was translating to the crystal, because the right. crystal and the Jedi are very, very intertwined. Symbiotic, in yeah. a way. So I, I, I feel like it just had to be done. Start fresh, kind mm-hmm. of deal. You know, go back to the caves, find yourself another crystal, make a bond, do it again. Um, now we do get, hold on, man. She just can't, just can't knock it off. Mm-hmm. He steals that saber towards the end of the book. And I don't think we really mentioned that. She's kind of obsessed with Kyber crystals. She really, really wants one. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like there are times when I really like her and then there are times where I don't, it's like, yeah. l- listen, you, even the inventor has to know when there's a boundary between right and wrong. Um, the sad thing is, is a lot of the, the knowledge that we know of physical medicine was done at the expense of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the, some of the experiments that the Nazis did during world war two, I mean, are inhuman. They, they are the essence of evil, but 
a lot of the, the a lot of the conclusions that they came to are things that we use today. Uh, yeah. Some of the things that happen. Well, anyway, I don't I don't want to go too much into that. But the thing is, is that you have to know when there is a moral stopping point, and she doesn't have that, which makes me worry because how far is she willing to go? A kyber crystal is not something you play with. It's not a toy. It's not a thing to be tinkered with by someone who doesn't understand the force. And it makes me worry that she will cause some sort of catastrophe by inventing or trying to amplify this crystal and something's going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you something else. Sana Staros isn't much of anyone in in her time, which makes me wonder if Avon Staros is the one who is going to take down her house. Yeah. You know what I mean? It makes me worry. Well, and that kind of brings up a question like, does that get linked into this story into Starlight Beacon? You know, does she find something to use that Christopher on the beacon that, you know, kind of ruins the High Republic era? (laughs) Well, she's looking at it as a power source. She's looking at it in terms of powering something or, or just being a power source. That's not what that thing is. No, it's because they make it very clear. There's a battery in that lightsaber in this book. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's an amplification for the force in connection with the Jedi. It has nothing to do with generating power for a machine or some, you know, building of, of man. It's, it's just, it's just not for that. So I do kind of worry about that character and, and what she's potentially going to do once she starts tinkering. Um, okay, so let, I guess anything else we want to talk about the moon? Are we good to move on to the rescue? Yeah. Okay, well, they are rescued. Jedi come down and rescue them. Super sick. Uh, we wind up making it to Starlight Beacon. <laughs> Um, honesty does seem to be sort of stepping into an ambassadorial type of role for his father. Um, and you know what? Some of the ending of the book is getting a little fuzzy for me. So I'll I'll just, I'll talk about the one big thing that I, I feel is there. Um, because we, we now have a Padawan without a master, without much hope. And we have Vernestra, who is, you know, this sort of prodigy. She winds up taking yeah. Emery as her Padawan. How did you feel about that, truthfully? I thought it was insane. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 think, I think Vernestra is great, but, like, to think that she would be ready to take on a Padawan right now? The guy is two years younger than her. Clearly, she's much more skilled and in tune with force. I get that. But, I don't know, it kind of goes back to that thing. It's like, is she ready for all of this? Has she found her past so much that she can actually help someone else find theirs? And there is definitely a connection between the two characters near the end. They reconcile their differences. And, you know, Emery does look up to her once again. But that is so heavy. I mean, that that takes Obi-Wan and Anakin to a whole nother level, you know, it really does. Yeah, man. It just, it, it kind of makes you wonder if it's going to end in tragedy. Truthfully. 
Yeah. The it it it, it sort of it sort of does. It it makes me I don't know. Maybe we're thinking about it a little bit too much in the lens of what we know and not in the lens of a time where the force is truly with everybody. And I also have to say, I had to look it up because I, what I was fuzzy about was the master who came to Vernestra, which was Skier. Mm -hmm. And I almost am starting to question his wisdom of leading her to take Emery as her Padawan. But the well, thing is, is like, she's so well respected master to begin with. So I wouldn't even say you should question it. I mean, he might not be that smart of a master. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, you know, he really does. Yeah, I agree. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure about how that's all going to to pan out. I feel like from the very small portion that we've gotten of High Republic so far, everything seems to be converging into tragedy. Like we're setting ourselves up for all this tragedy, death, destruction. I mean, we're I mean, is this the breaking point where they kind of stop communing with the light as much as they are? You know, this yeah. is this is a time of renaissance. They're all so in force, but do they start to neglect that? And this is where we get this fall into the Phantom Menace era, and we just see it devolve into that. Yeah, where they just fall into it. They don't even realize what's happening. True. And all these little decisions. I mean, it might seem like a little decision now, but you know, death of a thousand little cuts. Yep. You know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I don't know. I don't know. There, I think there's a lot more to go, but it does. Uh, you know, I I think Vernestra is pretty cool. I mm-hmm. I I wouldn't be unhappy with hearing more about her at all. Yeah, I worry about her path, and I worry about those who are guiding her on her path, and and those that she will guide on their path. Um. But, you know, that's kind of the book, isn't it? It is. And, you know, one thing I'll say about this book, I was really happy that they didn't include it much. We don't get the tagline of we are the, <laughs> we are all the Republic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in some ways, how little this book repeated itself compared to Lie of the Jedi, it's almost like, well, which one was the young adult novel? <laughs> yeah. I appreciated that quite a bit. I was worried that that was going to be the big tagline for the entire series. We'd never hear the end of it, you know. Uh, I, I I would much rather have like "Will of the Force" be the tagline over that personally because I feel like that's important, that's substantial. Right. But uh, I really appreciated that quite a bit. Um, I just felt like I don't know, and that that's that goes to the author really. You can't blame the overarching story of the high Republic on that though. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. So in, in my opinion, nice little bode story, you know, wrapped up in a nice little bow and some good wrapping paper. And you know, it, it was nice. It was nice to just sort of jump into and have a little, little adventure. We're going to get probably two characters out of this that we might hear from again. And the rest were really just, 
for this story standalone, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Yes, agreed. Because I don't think we're going to see honesty again, personally. No. Highly doubt. Yeah, highly doubt it. Avon would be kind of a. I don't know. Maybe like pull her in to do something little and then throw her back. Yeah. In the corner. Yeah, Vernestra, I think we're definitely going to hear from here and there. Uh, They do seem to, you know, really highlight a lot of the interesting young, young people. So that's a good thing. Um, so yeah, I'm, you want to just get right into giving it a rating? Yeah. Um, we're out of five. I was going to ask that because I feel like if we go like out of 10, it's going to be a hard book to rate. Cause yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just do out of five. So what's your opinion? Uh, you know what? I am going to look up what the actual ratings have been first because I'm, I'm interested in that, uh, but I will give my opinion. Oh, no. Okay. Interesting. So Barnes & Noble, 4 out of 5. Goodreads, 3.8 out of 5, which I actually give a little bit more credence to. However, Google users, only 40% of all Google users like the book. Really? Yeah, let's see what Amazon has. Amazon, out of 158 ratings, 4.1 out of 5. So average, average to Midland sort of ratings. Yeah. Um, 40%, that is really hard to take. I mean, I don't think that. Uh, looks like some people are dogging the author in some of the Amazon ones. Woke Star Wars, generic Star Wars adventure. You're probably... 50 years old, Tom Waters, reading a kid's book. What do we mean by that? <laughs> so I, I, I'm not sure. Um, let me let me click on the Goodreads here real quick. I, I Goodreads is a, I, I actually think is a little bit more reputable than some of the other ones. Let's, um, yeah, like here's a three star. Uh, 16-year-old full Jedi Knight is a bit odd. Uh, you know, solid kids adventure just didn't really seem to... Uh, I think they're rating it like it's not a kid's book because they're talking, it's not enough philosophical action. It's like, well, it's a kid's book. Um, <laughs> Three-star review. Not exactly the target audience. That automatically disqualifies you. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think some of these are not taking this in the right context as being a kid's book. Um, so, okay, let me let me stop. Oh, here's here's a one star. That's what it is. Um, oh, uh, yep. Okay, that's that's based on the author. Yeah. Yep, that's that's an author thing. Uh, not to beat around the bush, Justina Ireland had some tweets uh, that some people yeah. took uh, very. I, I think they took the wrong way. Um, what were they? I don't remember what they were off the top of my head and you guys can all go figure that out on your own, but it was a Twitter thing. And there were a lot of people that got really offended. Um, I think it had something to the effect of like, you know, I don't know, don't read my book or something like that. I I just think it was taken a little bit too literal. Um, and there were a lot of people who just took, 
it, it's the woke, it's the woke thing again, poking its head up. Well, this is too woke. You're too woke. You're trying to kill Star Wars, and then it's the other side. It's like, well, we need more of this and that, and it's not woke enough, and um, so there's never any middle ground. But I, I think I think a lot of the author hate just came from uh, Twitter crap, and that's what it is. Twitter is crap. I still, I still post there once a week when we have an episode up. <laughs> Don't think about it again for six days. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's a two-star. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even know why they gave it a two-star. It said it was like a fun read. It can't be a two-star fun read. Well, it said it was a fun read, but it's a forgettable read for a casual observer who's mildly in it. Okay, it's a forgettable read if you are a casual observer who is mildly interested in Star Wars. I would argue that if your problem is that it's a forgettable read, then it would be forgettable as a fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Sounds like the wrong people are reviewing it, in my opinion. Well, I, I I do think a lot of this is a lot of the low reviews I think are coming from problems with the author. Personal personal issues with the author more so than with the actual content of We're not really getting any reviews from young readers. And that's really where you should be getting your reviews from, ultimately, because that's the target audience. Yeah, it's like do do yeah, do, does the target audience like it? For sure. It sparked them to want to know more about Star Wars. Because that's the whole point of these books. They're they're emergence books. They're supposed to spring you into the lore, you know, get you excited. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, exactly. Oh, geez. Barnes and Noble is only actually three reviews. <laughs> it's good times. Okay. Okay. Stop stalling. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the, the book itself, it is, it is a young adult's book. Um, I think that there are some adult themes in there that I wouldn't necessarily have pushed quite as hard as they did in this book. Um, Mm -hmm. However, it does give you a nice little adventure with some young, uh, young characters who have big personalities. I think at times some things can be a little bit try hardy, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, some questionable try hardy stuff. Um, but overall, I think we have a really cool character in Vernestra. Um, I think we have a mild redemption arc for Emery. Honesty, I could have cared less about. I thought he was just kind of a blah character. And Avon, uh, to be honest with you, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm not as high on her as, as, you know, potentially, uh, any of the other characters. So rating wise... I would say as a fun little adventure that you can just power through pretty quickly, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Okay. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Four out of five. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Fair enough. Um, yeah, mine's going to be pretty similar. My biggest issue with this book, and this is a big issue I have with this theme in general. I don't like it when the, when the character that ends up turning to the dark side is literally the weakest character in the room. Cause I don't believe that that's the point of the allure of the dark side. I like it when I see either a Jedi master or actually a potentially very strong Jedi fall 
because that's the whole point of the dark side. It can easily grab anybody, you know, not, not the weakest Padawan in the room. Hmm. So I had an issue with that. Emery was just a bleh character to me, almost, almost in line with honesty with me. Honestly, I, I really didn't care about him all that much. Um, he went through some stuff. I felt bad for him. Sure. But yeah. I don't know. I just feel like they wrote him wrong personally. The story in general was fine. It was a cool little story. Um, I don't know, the Nihil were kind of bumbly, but that was fine. I mean, it, young adults, it's going to happen. So I would probably rate this, I'm going to give it a 3.9. Yeah, I, think I don't think fair. it's a bad story at all. I think anything below a 3.5 is getting into that bad range. Um, it was fine, you know. Yeah, it's an average book. I mean, you know, I kind of, I kind of considered going under four, but you know, again, I, I usually rate based upon how I enjoyed something, and I enjoyed myself. I didn't find myself hating anything. So, if it was any longer than it was, I probably would have hated the book. <laughs> I would actually agree. I think it was the right. I don't think it needed to be any longer. I think it was pretty much the right, the right length for sure. And I would almost say that there were spots where it was almost too long, like in between the explosion of the steady wing and actually getting onto the planet took a little bit longer than it really needed to, in my opinion. I guess so. Uh, just kind of going through all the emotions and everything. So, yeah, yeah I think it was about the right way. All right. Well, good times, man. So another book down. We've got more to come. Uh, so we'll be... We more now and... Probably about what, another month until we see the next emergence of books. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty soon. Uh, what was it? The second or the fifth of February is our next book. Um, we obviously, you know, have a lot of stuff we're going through. We will be rolling back through New Jedi Order. Um, what else did we have planned? Did we? Weren't we talking also about uh, what else were we talking about? I have to go back and look at our list. I think I had one more on the list after this. But well, we had one more High Republic, and then we we're going to get back into Jedi order, but we've kind of got this, I don't know, gap right now. We're waiting for more content of some kind, whether it be the comics or anything. So really it's a time where if any of you guys have any suggestions, anything, uh, it'd be a cool time to start some new content, maybe get some character bios going or reviews of certain stories, any books you can suggest getting yeah. back into stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, we obviously, you know, I had a pretty good time re-talking about New Jedi Order, so we will certainly get back into that. You know what? I'll tell you, and this is this is like live planning. I, I think uh, I think what we really need to do is get into a comic book line. I think we need to do a comic show because we've got we've got Vader, we've got Afro, we've got the main Star Wars line that was rebooted, we've got um, uh, the Bounty Hunter series. So we actually have some comics. I'll tell you what, man, if you wanted to jump down some comics, we could we could do a big comic episode. I'm up for that. You know, growing up, we were really never all that into comics. We really weren't. And I don't know why, other than just we weren't in comic shops all that much. I think we would have been total comic nerds if we were around it more. But I would kind of like to become one. You know, just going through this little story, it's enjoyable, you know. Yeah. Kind of nice just to have a little tiny appetizer of yeah. Star Wars. A little bite size, you know, nice artwork, a little bite size story. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's well, one thing about books. You never get that visual aspect of it. You kind of have to yes. come up with your own stuff. So it's kind of nice to be able to shut your brain off a little bit more, not have to imagine as much. Let yeah. the author do it for you. Agreed. Agreed. 
So there was one more thing we kind of wanted to bring up here. Um, we kind of talked oh, about yeah. this before the episode. And it's kind of, I don't want to say a theory, but just kind of, I'm getting this feeling in my gut. So Disney parks, you know, Galaxy's Edge, all that. We've kind of talked about this. There's going to be some changes, all that. Uh, but what the what's one thing that is kind of an obsession in all the High Republic content? <laughs> uh, luxury liners. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we're gonna see. No, no I mean Starlight Beacon has been an obsession, and yeah, I get it's kind of like this focal point. You know, things are happening around it, all that. It's something that's a big deal. You know, it's going to help with the hyperspace lanes, all that stuff. Yes. But we hear so much about it. And just in this book, you know, a young teen's novel, why do we need to hear about Starlight as much as we are? I mean, yes, it's part of the story. We're going to it, but it talks about it more than it needs to. The comics do. By the job, I was obsessive about it. Um. I kind of feel like we're going to see a little piece of the park turn into a starlight beacon zone, you know, kind of like the spire was. Uh, And, you know, when you, when you talked about that, it does make sense. Like it, it really does make sense that that is something that could happen. Um, and we had talked about this maybe last week a little bit where, I don't think that the park has been as big a big as big a success as Disney would have liked. It's very cool. Obviously, I would have liked to have gone, but we had pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it makes me wonder if adding on would be the right business move. Because I'm just gonna say this: I don't think Black Spire inspired as much people as they would have wanted. So. Now you're going even more like with another obscure thing with Starlight Beacon. I mean, the the people that actually read Star Wars content compared to have watched the movies and the TV shows. Yeah. We love our books, but we're kind of a minority. Yep. Talk to a casual fan. They don't know what Starlight is. They don't know what Black Spire is. Yeah. They don't know any of that stuff. They want Java's Palace. They want Mos Eisley. You know, stuff like that. I, I just don't know how big of a hit it's going to be. And truly, what are you going to do in Starlight Beacon? <laughs> You're going to have activities that are going to have nothing to do with Starlight Beacon just to make it entertaining because there's really nothing about it in the concept that invokes theme park. You know, yeah. what do you do? Are you going to be on a computer dealing with communications and it'll hyperspace be, lanes. It'll be the new, um, you remember those commercials when we were kids, like the NASA, like space camp thing. <laughs> it'll be like the new space camp. You send in your tokens, tokens and come to space camp at starlight beacon. You'll learn how to twirl stuff and like science projects and stuff. I don't know. We'll give you a jet pack. <laughs> Yeah, hyperspace travel due to Starlight Beacon at Disney. <laughs> Hundred years from now, that's what happens. Yes. 
That's exactly how it'll happen. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. We'll have to see though. I, you know, but it, it, that does make sense. I will say that it does make sense. Yeah. All right. You know, one thing I'm going to say. Hmm. Have we heard much from Delilah Dawson recently? No, I don't believe so. Because she, because she was, she was Black Spire. She, she did the Black Spire book. She authored anything Star Wars lately? Sorry, I mean, it's just kind of like a random thought, but we had talked about Black Spire. I don't know that we've really. I don't I believe you, it. I want you to click the name so I can see what you have, you jerk. Um, because she, she so so she did Black Spire and Phasma, but hmm, doesn't look like it. I wonder if they're gonna use her again for for any books. Yeah, no, there's nothing. Huh? That's a shame. Yeah, introduce some cool characters. Kind of disappointing. And maybe they'll get her back out there. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know, I know, she wasn't like a part of like the whole five years ago or anything. There's still a chance. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know she wasn't like a part of the whole High Republic panel thing, but I, you know, I just kind of wondered if because we hadn't really seen anything from recent. Anyway, well, I think that's all. Pretty much all we have to say for today. Uh, obviously, there will be more High Republic content as they release it, and there are quite a few things on the way for release. Uh, so make sure to follow us on all the good old social media that we kind of use, uh, Twitter at TC plan podcast, find us on Facebook, or if you just want to send us an email and maybe tell us what you thought about the book or give us any ideas for future content that is TC plan podcast, gmail.com. And we will, you know, maybe take a look at what you got and respond to it. Maybe talk about it on the show. Who knows? We're crazy. You never know what'll happen, but crazy. Interact with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a bit about. That's about all for today. So, hopefully, that's all, folks. Yeah. So, hopefully, you guys have a great rest of your week. And as always, may the force be with.